1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you. Just messing with you, man. <laughs> but you. Who is he talking to? Just turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. He's talking to you. But he's talking to me. Mm-hmm. He's talking to me. I love this. But you are. There we go again. It doesn't say if you do this, this. It doesn't say if you do 10 steps of a discipleship. If you go to Bible school, it doesn't say all that. Which I believe you should do those things if, if God leads you to do it. But I'm just trying to make a point here that you are. Now, I know our, our space is limited for the second service, but we're really going to unpack this in the second service. Shakababa. Um, but uh, you are, it's settled. Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, my friends. Come on, somebody. And you were chosen before the foundation of the world. It says you are a chosen generation. Come on. A royal priesthood. You are a king and you are a priest. You are a double portion generation. A king and a priest. A royal priesthood. That's your birthright. The enemy is not scared of us sitting in a church seat and attending church. And I'm going to be really honest with you, and I don't mean to sound crass. He's really not afraid of you accepting Jesus. What he's afraid of is when you get revelation of your birthright and who you are called to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, see, because uh, somebody that knows who they are and they're walking in their birthright as a king and as a priest, then you're a threat to the enemy. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Everybody shout it. Say, I'm a king. I'm a king. Say, I'm a, I'm a priest. Just turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're looking at royalty. <laughs> you're a king and you're a priest. You're a holy nation. Come on, that's the apostolic, if I dare use that word, because that's how I roll. Mm-hmm, oh yeah, okay. Okay, I'm in the right place then. We'll just do an apostolic message, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> His own special people, you know, God said to me recently, he's not just looking for more communities. Everybody's community, 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 and we need community. But I believe I'm in the right place. We need communities that produce anomalies. We don't need more parakeets and more echoes. They don't change anything. We're looking for an authentic voice, like Elijah, an anomaly. We don't even know where he came from, don't even know his lineage. He just shows up, prophesies to a king, and shifts a nation. There's an anomaly in the matrix. So you're a king, you're a priest, yeah? So there's a divine order to all things, yeah? So I ask myself, okay, if I'm a king, 
then what is my posture? What is my poise? How do I position myself? Hey, I just went through, hey, I just went through um, stage 4B throat cancer this year. I'm barely a year out of treatments. Come on, somebody. And my, uh, hi, yeah, yeah. So my, my spiritual mom, bam, bam. Our, our spiritual mom, and it's a privilege for us to call her our, our mom, is Heidi Baker. Some of you may know who she is. But she called me every week. I mean, sometimes she was in Japan or Israel. Jason, I'm in Japan, but I had to call you. And she would read me Psalm 91 in the Passion Translation. And God really spoke to me. It says, when you are seated in the shadow of Shaddai, you're covered in the strength of the God Most High. So, I, brother, I would read that scripture and read that. Gina would read it to me. I'd have the chemo needle in my arm. Huh. And all of a sudden, it occurred to me, you see, with every promise, you have been given all things, my friend. But it doesn't belong to you at any given moment. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. The secret things belong to the Lord, but once they're revealed, they belong to you. And we, as children, as kings, as priests, we have to position ourselves appropriately. With every promise, there's a prerequisite. So Psalm 91, for instance, powerful scripture. I mean, we all read it in times of, of danger, in times where we really need a move of God. But there is a prerequisite. When you're seated in the shadow of Shaddai. You're covered in the strength of the God. When? When you're seated. When you've taken your position. When you've poised yourself. Not many people will brave the darkness to sit between the shadow of the cherubim. I want to. Come on, somebody. I want to walk in that place. So if I'm a king, what's my position? How do I poise myself. Well, I'm glad you asked me, because 2 Chronicles gives us a great, a great narrative of what this could look like. King David turns the throne over to his son, Solomon. And the first thing he did, it says he went up the mountain. Where did he do? He went up. And then it says, he came with a thousand burnt offerings. See, I believe he learned from his father David. David said, I will not give God anything that doesn't cost me something. He didn't come empty-handed, friends. He came with an offering. And I'm not just talking about an offering of tithes. I'm talking about even an offering of yourself, what you bring and what you present to the Lord, okay? So he went up the mountain. He brought a 1,000 burnt offerings. And then it says he went in the tabernacle. Now, I told you there's an open door this morning. He went up 
and he went in. Let's say that together. He went up, and he went in. I'm also trying to make this very practical for you. Maybe you've heard people say, let's go up and in. Let's go up and in. Well, what does that mean? Well, he went up, and he went in to the tabernacle, to the O.L. Moed, the place of meeting. You know, the place where depravity meets with divinity. Shakarava. He went in. First thing he did, guys. First thing he did. He went up and he went in to the holy place. And see, that attracted God. That kind of position is attractive to the presence of God. And so God comes to him and says, tell me, what do you want? God's right here this morning. He's saying, tell me, guys, what do you want? What do you, what do you want? What do you want? And Solomon said, this is fantastic. He said, I want wisdom, hey, and knowledge. Ah, knowledge, knowledge. See, I've heard messages on this, and, and, and they're awesome, but they always focus on the wisdom. But he said, I want wisdom and knowledge like my father David. The word knowledge there is yada. It's a Jewish idiom for the way a man knows his wife. It's a substance-producing intimacy. It's an intimacy that produces something. See, if we want to give birth to more things in the church, we have to have more intimacy. No intimacy, no conception, no conception, no birth. We can't cut intimacy out of the picture. I was offered a job at a huge church one time, and, and uh, we did this real intimate song, and then we went into a, a really declarative song, and, and then the associate pastor came, and the, the church came apart. I mean, it was like blew up, and they had never seen anything like this before. And the pastor comes to me and says, hey, cut that song out. It's, it's just too slow. Do the big part. Keep everything big. Keep everything up. And then we wonder why we're not giving birth to more new things. See? Intimidade. Sorry, I was thinking Portuguese. Intimacy. 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 Shakara. He said, I want wisdom and intimacy. Is basically what he was saying. And this is what he said, to go in and come out before the people like my father David did. He learned from his father David, I can't go out to rule the people until I've gone in to meet with God. You have to go in before you go out. You cannot take people where you've never been, and you cannot introduce a man that you don't know. What does a king do? He goes in before he comes out because he knows his source. Give us wisdom and intimacy that we can go in to the secret place of God, go in and meet with God and let him do a work in us. Then he'll do a work through us. My spiritual father always says, and that's not the case here, but, but you know, you go someplace, he says, well, if God could just do something in us, <laughs> And he'll do something through us. Well, that's what a king does. What does a priest do? 
Leviticus chapter 9 says Moses and Aaron, here we go, went in to the tabernacle. What did they do? They went in to the tabernacle, and then they came out. Check this out. And it says, fire came from heaven, consumed the sacrifice. It says, everybody saw the glory. Who saw the glory? Everybody saw it. No, that's an altar call. Everybody encountered the glory. And trust me, my friends, if the Bible says everybody, then it means everybody. And it says, fire came from heaven, consumed the sacrifice. All the people shouted for joy and fell on their face. What's the secret? Tell me. what. Give me ABC, one, two, three. Go in before you go out. And he will show up every single time. Hey. Now, there's lots of things happening in the world right now and lots of ideas, lots of ideologies, lots of prophecies. I, uh, we have the privilege, I mean, we're missionaries at the core. I've been on the Syrian war border where I walked into a Syrian refugee's home. She was all dressed in black. And I said, why, you know, why is she dressed in black? And they said, well, she witnessed her son's head chopped off last year, and she's in mourning. What do you say to that? You know? Or I was recently in, in Brazil, and we were in the favelas, and we went into the witch doctor's house and, and you see the trafficking and you see the sex slavery and then another time you're in another nation and we uh we were with Heidi and she took us into a beauty salon. I'll never forget this the rest of my life. And we walked into the beauty salon and these beautiful Mozambican ladies are are doing hair and you know, makeup and giving the gift of beauty, you know. And then when we walked out, Heidi came to me and said, did you see that girl? And I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, when I found her, she was tied to a tree being raped day and night. You know, how do we respond? You know, there's much even going on in the church right now. How do, how do we with integrity, how do we with character, how do we with the nature of Jesus respond to the things that we just got a text there was a shooting in Texas that all this morning. We as the church have to respond appropriately, friends. We have to position ourselves that Habakkuk 2.14, that the knowledge of the glory would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And that word knowledge, I told you, Jadai, and it's, it's speaking of a tangible reality of the character and the nature of the one who is the one, Jesus. 
Now, doing what I do, I mean, you could lose your mind. One minute I'm at a conference and there's 10,000 people there, and the next minute I'm in the dirt of Africa, and the next minute I'm on a Syrian war board. I mean, man, Dales, you could like, you could lose your mind, but you know, we have to have our inner compass, which is Holy Spirit, and we have to posture ourselves appropriately, and this is what God showed me. Jeremiah 23:18 In the midst of many words being released, you know, newscasts being released and whatever your source is, social media, whatever your source is, we have to know our posture. And right here in Jeremiah 23:18 it says for who has stood in the council of the Lord and perceived and heard his word, look at that, not just got a nice message, but you're really marked by the word of Jesus. Your heart is wrenched and wrecked because you're absolutely in love, because you've gone in. You've gone in to worship. You've gone in to reading the word. You've, you've gone into this place. I'm going to tell you something, friends. Uh, I freak most people out because they want to know my message. I don't read my Bible to preach. I don't worship to lead worship. I'm in love with Jesus. I read my Bible because I'm in love with him. And I want to know him. I don't pray. I to get something. I, I pray because I'm communing with the Holy One. <laughs> I don't just read my Bible so that I can check a list. It's like, okay, well, I read my Bible now, and now I have to pray for 10 minutes. And No, 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 no. God is love, and yeah, yeah, and we fall in love with him, and we read because we're in love. It's a holy romance, my friends. We've become way too ministry-centric. Because this word, counsel, who has stood in the council, it's the word sowed. It's the fourth highest level of revelation in the Jewish mindset. The word sowed, S-O-D. And it literally means the secret within the secret, but it actually translates this way. I love this. Intimate friendship. Who has walked in intimate friendship with the Lord? Intimate friendship. Wow. <sighs> and, and then it says in Jeremiah 23, 22, but if they had stood in my counsel, or if they had walked in intimate friendship and it caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned from their evil way. What's the secret? How do we win? Corpus Christi, how do we win the nations? How do, we, how do we change our family? How do we, you know, just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Like, walk 
an intimate friendship with Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Passion brings compassion. When we're compelled by love and we're walking in intimate friendship with God, with Jesus, we go in because we desire him, because we love him. And, and friends, you may be saying, well, Jason, I don't get that. Well, I'm going to tell you what to do. Just keep doing it until your heart is massaged and changed. I am addicted to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Job chapter 29 shows this, this perfectly. When I started, I was on staff at two different churches, both churches for at least nine years, I mean 10 years. We've done everything from clean to be a senior pastor, creative arts and worship pastor, missions pastor, uh, you name it, <laughs> associate pastor, everything. I've, I've seen the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah? So when God told us to start our own community and we pastored our own community for about seven, eight years, I said, well, Jesus, what would that look like for us? Because I'm just not going to do church just to do church. And he took me to Job 29. It's a fantastic piece of scripture. Job 29. And the best translation of this scripture actually is found in the NIV. Just going to pull it up here. Here's Job. And he's sitting there and he's remembering his life. You know, if Job was alive today, people would pay him thousands of dollars to sit with him and gain knowledge. Job is the first written book of the Bible. And there's a principle when you study the word, and it's the principle of first mention. So when you see something first mentioned, it sets a, um, it sets a, a preset, a lens for you to read the rest of the Bible through. Well, this is not first in chronological order, but it was the first written book of the Bible. And I found the secret to revival right here. It's right here. It's, it's easy. I love this. Job 29. Let's, let's read this together. Job continued his discourse, and he says this. He says, how I long for the months gone by, for the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head, and by his light I walked through darkness. Oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship, it actually says when God's sowed, when God's counsel, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house, when the Almighty was with me, and my children were around me, when my path was drenched with cream, shaka, and the rock poured out rivers of oil over me. You want rivers of oil this morning? I do. It's a, if it's available, I want it. Now, once again, 
watching my time. That was his position, his poise. Yeah? That was his posture. He walked in intimate friendship. So now, we're going to see his testimony. Here's his poise, posture, position. Now, we're going to see his testimony displayed in front of us. You want to hear it? It's really cool. So, when I went to the gate of the city, now we have to understand that the gate of the city speaks of government. It speaks of where all the decisions were made, okay? So, look at that through that lens. Through the culture, that's where they would go meet. So, he says, when I went to the gate of the city and took my seat in the public square. So, he had a seat of influence. The young men saw me and stepped aside. The old men rose to their feet. The chief men refrained from speaking and covered their mouths with their hands. The voices of the nobles were hushed, and their tongues stuck to the roof of their mouth. Well, what does that mean, Jason? That means he influenced influencers. That means he had a voice in powerful in politics. Hallelujah. I've seen this in Mozambique. It's the best example I can give. Heidi and Roland went to the most, at that time, impoverished nation, war-torn nation, started giving bread out at a tree. Now in Iris, we feed 40 to 50,000 children a day. And presidents and governors and national leaders wait to speak to Heidi now. Why? Because she walks in intimate friendship with Jesus. <laughs> and I've, I've already seen this here. You guys have influence over influencers. It's one of the most powerful things you can have, actually. So verse 11, whoever heard me spoke well of me. So he had a good report, yeah? And those who saw me commended me. And here it is. This is so good. Because I rescued the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to assist them. The one who was dying blessed me. I made the widow's heart sing. I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind, feet to the lame, father to the needy, took up the case of the stranger. I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their thief. Eyes to the blind, feet to the lame, father to the orphan, husband to the widow, took up the case of the stranger. Sounds like revival to me. So how do we do it? Intimate friendship. See, that will just become the fruit of your life, my friends. We don't have to force it. We don't have to manipulate it. We don't pray and obey. When you're walking in the sowed of God and the counsel, when you're walking in intimate friendship, it says your path will have substance and the rock will pour out rivers of oil over you. We have to go in. We have to have a lifestyle. 
of friendship with the Holy One. And not just because we want a ministry. I, I want him. You know what? I'm, people will say this, and I, and I don't mean this crass. It's all about souls. No, it's not. It's about knowing Jesus. Because if I know him, then everything else will flow. It's not all about signs and wonders. See, there's levels of intimacy. Should I even go here? Jesus had the multitudes. They experienced the facet of Jesus, okay? They experienced, you know, um, a specific level, okay? But then out of the multitudes, he called 70. And these 70, man, he sent them out. They did the works. They did signs and wonders. You know, it's kind of like our missions trips today or outreaches, you know, and, and they experienced the level. I've been talking to you a lot about doors last night and today. See, the multitudes had a door. More could have been a part of the 70. Then out of the 70, he called 12, and the 12's cool, man. Walking with Jesus, rolling in the 12. Yeah, I'm with him. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, I'm, I'm with him. Yeah, yeah, cool. They experienced another level. But then out of the 12, there was three. People don't like this, but Jesus had clicks. Here's the thing, my friend, is you can have as much of Jesus as you want. Now, the three, he took up and in the mountain of transfiguration. And Jesus unveiled himself. To the three. Ha, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the three's cool until you find out there's another level. Because John said, I'm the one with my head on the chest of Jesus. Man, Deus. I don't want to just live in the multitudes. People seem to be satisfied there today. Hey, that's okay. That's up to them. But, man, it'll never be enough for me. And I'm not just satisfied. Please don't just do a missions trip. Please, we have enough of that. We actually need people that are possessed with the jealousy of God. And they're doing it because they're compelled, not because they're checking a box. Don't just show up for the outreach because... It's what we do. No, man. Because the world deserves better than that. They deserve to encounter the character of Jesus, not just be a project. No, I didn't say that. The 12 is amazing, friends. The 12 is awesome. But you see, the closer you get, the more you want. And the more you taste, the more you're not satisfied. Because the revelation of Jesus is eternal. Hmm. 
2 Kings chapter 4 as I close. God showed me something here. It's the wife of one of the sons of the prophets. I'm sure that this man was amazing because he was one of the sons of the prophets, but he passed away and he left a debt. And this widow goes to the high prophet and says, wait a minute, no. Because what happened, he left a debt. They were taking her sons into slavery. So she goes to the prophet and she goes, wait a minute, my husband served you. My husband served you, and now they're taking my sons into slavery. And we have this happening today as the church, the bride. We have fasting and prayer. I take part in all of these events. I'm going to be at the Send in Brazil. I mean, we, we, we actually work in this place too. We need to fast. We need to pray. I'm not saying that at all. But as the bride, we're going to God crying out for a generation that's being taken into slavery because what one generation tolerates, the next generation embraces. So as the bride here, we're going to God, save our city. God, stop abortion. You don't think God wants to stop abortion? He doesn't have to be convinced. Excuse me. God sent revival in abortion. He already sent revival. His name's Jesus. And he lives inside of you. Because what the prophet says to this woman is he says, okay, tell me what's in your house. You want to save your children? He says, what's in your house? And she says, well, I have a little oil. Oil speaks of intimacy, the substance. When you walk in intimate friendship, the rock pours out rivers of oil. So this is what he said to her. He goes, okay, you want to save your sons? Then you go borrow jars and not just a few. In other words, create a capacity in your life for more oil. In other words, create a capacity in your secret life for more intimacy with Jesus. The most, the most, the most important thing that you can do is buy oil. So he says, go borrow jars, then go in your house. Where? Go in. And he goes, and pour out. Pour out. And as long as she poured out, the oil flowed. Said, go in your house, go in your house, go in your house, you and your sons. If you have children, your children need to see you worshiping and crying to Jesus in your living room, in your bedroom, in your kitchen, not just when you come to church. Because intimacy happens behind closed doors. So she. We create a capacity. She, she borrowed jars, and I love the language, borrow jars and not just a few. <laughs> create as much capacity in your life to spend time with him. Hey, 
Because that's where the oil is produced. Intimate friendship with Jesus. She went in her house. She poured out. And the Bible says as long as she poured out, the oil flowed. Come on. Do you know what happened, my friend? She bought her sons out of slavery with that oil. And then she lived on the prosperity of it as far as we know for the rest of her life. You want to see a move of God in Corpus Christi? Create a capacity in your life. Because you can't live on someone else's oil. Matthew 25, the five foolish asked the five wives, give us some of your oil. And they said, no, I can't. Hey, I can't live on, Heidi's my mom. I can't live on her oil. I got to buy my own. And it costs you everything. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands for a moment as we close, Jesus. Just for, just for a few moments, just pour out. Pour out. Just create a capacity in your life right now. What, you know, God's speaking to everybody differently. I mean, how do we apply this? How do I, how do I create more capacity? You know, maybe for you, maybe it's getting up an hour earlier, staying up an hour later. You know, I don't, I don't know what that looks like for you. Sometimes we can be even busy doing good things. But we only have so much capacity in our life for intimacy. We only have so much capacity in our lives. And sometimes it's just setting aside even small things. I know intimacy and love can't be manipulated or forced. But I'm telling you, the more time you spend with him, even if you go in your room and you say, you know what? Okay, he said go in before I go out. So here I am, Jesus. And I guarantee you, my friend. In his kindness, he'll meet you right where you're at. Fresh oil right now all over this room. Fresh oil. Fresh oil. Fresh oil. I just believe there's a, a release, an open doorway, if you will, for greater intimacy than you've ever known in your life, my friends. Than you've ever known. Because then when people see you, they see him. Yeah, because then you carry an atmosphere. You, you notice the scripture said that his steps was drenched with cream. Well, what does that mean? I just believe it's the, it was the substance, the glory of God. I believe it also speaks of dwelling in the shadow, like even Peter's shadow healed people. Come on, somebody. When you're walking in intimacy, man, you don't have to say anything. People see it. Yeah. Yeah, people know, like the book of Acts, we know he's been with that Jesus. Amen.